So this is the third week of a three-week series we've been doing on discipleship. And so if you haven't been here, just to catch you up on where we're at too as we start today, um, week one, we looked at the fact that being a disciple of Jesus isn't a choice, an optional extra for those radical people um, who really want to follow Jesus. Being a disciple is what Jesus calls us to when he says, come follow me. So as a Christian, we are entering in to a life of discipleship, a life of knowing Jesus and being obedient to what he's taught us. And then last week, we looked at the fact that as, um, as a disciple, there's two main focuses to our discipleship. And the first one is to know God and to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength, all that we are, um, and that that needs to be the main first focus of our discipleship is getting to know God more and more, and our response to that is to love him more and more, and our response to that is to be obedient to him more and more in our lives. And I'm convinced that one of the main reasons that um, I'm following Jesus today and have done for most of my life is that at a young age, I became convinced of who God is, that the God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, sent his one and only son to die for me. And so knowing God, how could I not follow him? It's like turning away isn't even an option because I've got a glimpse of who he is and I've built on that glimpse and I've pressed into God and I've discovered more of who he is. And then, therefore, my only response is to say, Jesus, I'm following you. Um, there's no option um, of giving up and turning away once we're convinced of who God is. Um, so that was what we focused on last week. Um, and then today... We're going to focus on the second focus of our discipleship. And that is that we need to break the power that sin has over us. We need to look inside of us and see what is it that is coming against the kingdom of God. What is it in me that is acting against um, the obedience and the teaching that God calls me to? And so what work do I need to do and let the Holy Spirit do in me so that I'm responding in obedience to Jesus and in line with the kingdom of God and the fullness of what he calls us to. We're going to do the little skip all the way through the slides till we get to week three. <laughs> yeah, if you miss week one, you miss the jelly. But... We are going to put these slides on the website so you can um, go back over any of the Bible references and verses that we've looked at together. Um, great. So today, um, we're going to focus on breaking that power of sin um, that's in us. And we're going to look at what that means, how we do that, um, and what that um, therefore should look like in our lives. Now, when we think about the patterns of sin and um, sin in our lives, it's very easy to think that it's all about changing our behavior and what we look like and what we do and what people see. And sin manifests, sin shows itself um, a lot in what we do. But if we focus just on trying to do the right things, we're not really dealing with um, the heart of the problem um, that is within us. 
And this is what Jesus says to um, the Pharisees in Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So I think Jesus makes it quite clear that what he is not calling us to do is just to tidy up the outside, to tidy up what people see, to tidy up our actions and do the right things. But what he's calling us to is real work on the inside that we can become transformed from the inside so that the fruit of that is the good works, is the good character, is the things that people see. Um, but it's not about um, us just working on the to-do list of the actions that we need to do, but it's about allowing God to work inside us. So if we look inside us, what is it that causes us to act in opposition to Jesus' teaching? Um, what causes us to be disobedient? Um, and the simple answer um, is it's the sin within us. And this is really what we're going to spend the rest of this morning unpacking. You'll find through this morning that I have an affinity to Romans, so there are lots of, um, lots of passages that we're going to read from Romans. Um, actually, when I was at university, I decided to um, memorize a chapter of scripture, and I chose Romans 8. And if anyone has ever studied Romans 8, you realize it's not the easiest and most straightforward of chapters to, <laughs> to um, decide to, to learn. But one thing that I learned as I studied um, the richness of Romans 8 um, is that Paul writes in so many different ways the same thing. But as I was learning it and memorizing it, it got that truth in me. And now it's something that's just inside of me. Um, and if I just read it and skimmed over it, I wouldn't have done that. So that memorizing um, and really studying it, God really spoke to me. Um, but we're going to start in Romans 6. Have we got the microphone, Helen? So can I have a volunteer to read this passage from Romans 6 to us? Who wants to go first with our reading? Jenny? <laughs> have you got Jenny glasses or just this? Yeah. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. So 
in this passage, it gives us a vivid image of that sin inside of us and the wrestling um, that happens. And um, yeah, saying, don't offer yourselves and your bodies um, to wickedness, to be an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God. Um, and sin will no longer be your master because you are under the influence of the law. You, you're not under the influence of the law, but you are under grace. But it says, yet sin, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. And so the, the truth is that Jesus has set us free from sin. The truth is Jesus died for us. He took our punishment for sin. Yet Paul is still writing here that we have this wrestling within us. There is this sin inside of us because we're human. There's sin inside of us because we've lived outside of God's um, rule. Um, and it's wrestling. And we have to decide how we deal with that. Um, and we'll go on in a, in a bit to talk about how we do deal with that. Um, but in Romans 7, Paul gives us um, some extra explanation on this. So, Any volunteer to read from Romans 7 for us? So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So again, we see this battle. Um, although I want to do good, evil is there with me. Um, from my inner being, I delight in God's law and I want to follow him, but yet there's something else at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. So it's like, we know what we want to do. We know we want to submit to Jesus. We know we want to be obedient to him. But there's something raging in us. There's this battle. And I think we can probably all relate to that, where you've wanted to do the right thing, you've known what the right thing is, yet somehow you've ended up not doing it. Um, and again, if we focus on just the doing, we can put all our effort into trying to do what we know we should and ignoring this battle that's raging and this war that is happening. Um, so we find we fail and we get overwhelmed and we can give up. Um, so today we want to look at some keys to how we can consider more fully what it is that this discipleship journey is and how it is that we can deal with this wrestling um, that is within us. Fortunately, we can go back to chapter 6 to, to give us some clues as to this battle and what it really means for us. Right, who would like to read this one for us? Anyone? Otherwise, I would jump on you, Penny. <laughs> for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves of sin, 
You have now come to obey from your heart the pattern of the teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Thank you. So just going back to these verses that we read earlier. So the first one um, states the truth for us. Um, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So this is the truth that we live when we accept Jesus, that we are no longer slaves to sin, but that we um, yeah, are under God's grace and that power is broken. But then in verse 17 and 18, it gives us the clue as to how we then live in that truth and how we outwork that truth in us. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. So even though Jesus has done it for us and he's done it and we've been set free from sin, our part in this is that we now have a new allegiance. We now have a new teacher and we have to be obedient to that teaching. We have to outwork that um, in us. And by that changing of our heart, by that transforming of our minds, by that outworking of God's teaching, we can start to break those things within us that are driving us to do, as we said in Romans 7, do the things I don't want to do, and I do the things that yeah, I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do, and I'm in you know, this confusion, um, and we need to submit um, and obey this new teaching that wants to transform us from the inside, um, transform us from the inside out. So before we look at more at how um, we can be set free and we can break these patterns of sin, um, what is it? Um, what is this sin um, that's in us, that overpowers us? Um, it's not, um, yeah, it's not some cosmic thing that, um, that is too big for us, that does, in fact, overpower us. It's not something out there that we can't control. Um, if we look inside of us and consider what is it that stops me doing what Jesus wants me to do, what is it that prevents me from following him in those day-to-day moments, if we look, it's the patterns of behaviours that we have built up. It's our habits. Um, it's not something big and out there, it's these things that we've allowed space in our lives to develop. And actually, those are the things that we need to focus on and submit to Jesus. If we think it's some big cosmic power of sin that is uncontrollable, then we're going to give up, and we're not going to engage in this transformation uh, to becoming more and more like Jesus. We're going to say, it's beyond me, you know, I can't do anything. Um, but actually, it's about um, yeah, what we um, have allowed into our lives, either before we're Christians or as we're Christians. Um, it's about what we have developed and those things that become our natural responses, our natural reactions. Um, and we just say, oh, that's who I am. <laughs> but actually, once we've accepted Jesus, we need to submit everything to him, match it up against Jesus and say, hang on, is that really who I am? Is that really who he's created me to be? Or do I need to submit that 
to Jesus as well. The book that I've been talking about the last few weeks by Dallas Willard, he, um, there's a, a great quote which I want us to consider here. Um, and it says, The reality is that nothing has power to tempt me or move me to wrong action that I have not given power by what I permit to be in me. And the most spiritually dangerous things in me are the little habits of thought, feeling and action that I regard as normal because everyone is like that and it is only human. So I'm just going to read that again and just maybe close your eyes, reflect on it as as you hear those words and think how this might speak to you. The reality is that nothing has power to tempt me or move me to wrong action, that I have not given power by what I permit to be in me. And the most spiritually dangerous things in me are the little habits of thought, feeling, and action that I regard as normal, because everyone is like that, and it's only human. What are we allowing in us? What are we tolerating within us that is actually against the kingdom of God? And it's holding us back from the freedom, from the transformation, for becoming more like Christ. Because we're holding on to it. Um, yeah, and it's, it's in us. It's personal. It's, it's become who we are. Um, yet we need to submit all things to Jesus. Yeah, Father, I just pray as we stop and think on this for each of us. What are we giving power in our lives to, to tempt us? To act in disobedience to your teaching, to respond not in line with your kingdom. Show each one of us those things, those habits, those characteristics, those pieces which we regard as being of us, God. By your spirit, highlight those so that we might submit to you. Submit those to the authority of Jesus that we might be transformed. Amen. So as we think, and um, you know, this is a lifelong journey, it's not just about today, but as we're thinking and reflecting about what are those things in me um, that are acting against the kingdom of God? What is it that's driving me? What work do I need to be done? What work needs to be done in me? Um, to remove these automatic responses that are against the kingdom of God. Um, one of the keys to this is that we have to engage in this. It's not going to be done for us. Um, somebody's not going to do all this work for you. Um, we need to identify these things with the Holy Spirit and work through it. It's an active participation of working out our faith. Um, so just going to read from Philippians 2. Next volunteer. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, and not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Purpose. Thank you. 
So continue to work out your salvation. Now, this isn't saying that we have to work really hard to make sure we're saved. Jesus has done that. He's done all of that. We, you know, once we've accepted Jesus, yeah, we don't have to work in the sense of earning God's approval and earning our salvation. But the Greek word here for work out, um, I won't try and pronounce it, um, or maybe I will, katagazesethi, there we go for you Greek scholars. <laughs> um, but it's a sense of developing something, bringing it to the fullness of what in its nature it is meant to be. Um, so I know Drew, just, yeah, you always say, or you often say, um, you know, speak into being something that is not, and you have to call it out. When Jesus saved us, he did it, it's done. Our state now is that we are like Christ. But actually, we have to work it out into its fullness so that we see that in our lives. And so this um, encouragement that Paul's giving is continue to do that. Um, Don't just rest back and say, I'm saved, right? Jesus has done it. But it's like, how are we going to outwork that? How are we going to break the habits and the power of sin in us so that we become more like Jesus? How, what are we going to invest in to make sure that we are stepping into the fullness of what God wants? So we do it with fear and trembling because the person we're partnering is the almighty God. He does the huge part of it in transforming us, in breaking that power of sin. But he partners with us and we submit to him and we work it out with him so that we become more and more transformed. Now, this is where I'm going to try and set up a visual aid, but we'll see if it works or if it collapses and um, everything falls over. So just give us one second. Um, two, two chairs with that one. We have done a risk assessment. <laughs> right. Um, no, we're just going to try and use a whiteboard so that I can draw you a diagram as we go through this, the last part of our um, teaching this morning. Yeah, that's fine. So in this journey of transformation, in this discipleship journey, um, how, do we, how do we learn to submit to Jesus? How do we um, learn to be obedient? Um, well, again, there's a number of keys for us um, in things that Paul wrote um, to the Romans and um, the Corinthians. So we're going to take a look at those um, to give us the initial idea of what it is that we're trying to do. So there's a few passages up here that I'd like someone to read or a few people to read. Who wants to read Romans for us? Dave, can you take the Romans? How much? Just the first bit? Just the Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Thank you. So Romans 13, Who's, who can read that for us? Danny, great. Rather, 
clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Thank you. And finally, uh, the 1 Corinthians 2.16. He wants to read this for us. Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Wonderful. So these passages are telling us um, that we have the mind of Christ to clothe ourselves with Jesus, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So the key to us um, and our obedience is having the mind of Christ and allowing God's spirit to transform our mind. Um, So if in our discipleship, the aim to help us get there is to have the mind of Christ. Now, it must be possible because um, in the Bible it tells us that God's going to transform our mind, that we can clothe ourselves in Jesus. Um, Yeah, and just... uh, we can have our mind transformed. And so, yeah, we want to have the mind of Christ. And there are three things at work that we need to allow in our lives to help us um, have the mind of Christ. Now, the first, and arguably the most important, um, is the work of God in our lives, the Holy Spirit. As we've said, this isn't about us self-improving, about us um, just putting effective habits and principles in place in our lives to become better and more like Jesus. Um, But first and foremost, it's about us letting God transform us. It's about us submitting to Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is where we get to Romans 8. So who's going to launch in for Romans 8 for us? Great, thanks, Kathy. This is what I like, enthusiastic volunteers. (laughs) You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Wonderful. Thank you. So how amazing is that, that the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the Spirit that's in, at work in us. That when we're struggling with those temptations, when we're struggling with those attitudes, if we allow the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to transform our thinking and transform our minds, then surely he can help us change if he has the power to raise Jesus from the dead. So it's not about us and our striving and our struggling, but it's about us submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit 
in us. The end of this verse goes on to say, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit we put to death the misdeeds of the body, they will be truly put to death because the Spirit will do his work perfectly. So as we consider the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the question I want us to think about is, what is the Holy Spirit doing in me at the moment? What is he trying to break me free from that acts against the kingdom of God? And am I submitting to that, partnering with the Holy Spirit to do that work, or am I resisting what the Spirit wants to do in me? So, yeah, what is the Holy Spirit doing in us at the moment that will help us to break free from those things in us that act against the kingdom of God? The second um, aspect of us partnering um, with God in this journey of discipleship Um, is about those things that we intentionally do to put on a new self. So those disciplines, those um, habits, those things that we build up um, that will help us to intentionally do good, intentionally submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, intentionally look to put on the mind of Christ. So I know some, and there's a group already studying 2 Peter, Um, So you'll be pleased to see that we're going to look at a few verses from um, Peter's second letter in chapter 1, verse 3 to 11. I didn't have space to fit it on the screen. Hopefully that's okay. Um, Yeah, who wants to read from 2 Peter? Wonderful. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, saving, escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add your faith, goodness and goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance to godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Amen. Thank you. So we could do a whole series on this passage, as we could do from every chapter or every part of a chapter in Romans. Um, But today there's a few things that I want to pull out when we think about um, the disciplines and the things that we need to intentionally do. Um, First of all, at the beginning it says it's by his divine power. So again, this links back to it's God at work in us. It's not just about us 
doing the right things and putting those habits in place, but it's us partnering with God and by his power in us, enabling us to put into action what he's calling us to. There was a commentary I read as I was studying this passage, um, which I think really helps to unpack what Peter's saying here. And at the end, um, let me just see. Oh, yeah, it is there. Um, so it said, yeah, when Peter's use of the word stumble or fall or fall away is not about a loss of salvation. This is about a season of wasted time or unproductiveness or ineffectiveness of near blindness and indulging in sin we should have left behind. Peter is speaking most clearly to those who seem to avoid commitment to Christ-like living while still claiming their place in God's family. This is unproductive at best and dangerous at worst. Instead, Peter tells the reader to be diligent to demonstrate spiritual mature qualities as confidence boosters and evidence of their security in Christ. So again, this isn't about the fact that um, this is about whether we're saved or we're you know, part of God's family. But this challenge, I, mean, I don't want to get before Jesus. And he said, you were ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You had the knowledge, you knew this truth, you knew who Jesus was, you knew what you should do, yet you were ineffective and unproductive. I mean, to me, that's a, that is a stark warning. I want to be someone who's been productive, who's been effective with what I've been, what's been revealed to me. I've been effective in my relationship with Jesus and that in increasing quality, I'm displaying the characteristics of what God's called us to. And I think the key is right in the middle here where it says, make every effort. So what is it that we are building into our lives, those habits, those godly disciplines that will set us up to succeed, um, that help us to know what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, um, how are we finding time to listen to him? How are we finding time to know what he's doing? Are we too busy, too distracted to see what the work of God is in us? Um, so what is it that we're intentionally doing um, to partner with the Holy Spirit to break that hold that sin has in us and to become more like Christ and put on that mind of Christ? And the final part um, of our triangle is, are the events of life. The events of life. I don't know about you, but if I sat in a quiet room with no one else around me and I didn't have to face anything, I think I would feel that I was quite like Jesus. <laughs> I, you know, good attitude, good character, good behavior. But it's when I have to deal with people and I have to deal with things that happen and go wrong and I have to deal with trauma, I have to deal with disappointment, I have to deal with trials. Um, that's when I get tested. <laughs> that's when you really see what's inside of you. Um, it might be easy in that quiet time to feel like, you know, 
we're becoming like Christ. God's transforming our minds. We're only focused on Jesus. Um, Everything is pure and noble and righteous. And then we go on the drive to drop the kids to school or we open our email and we see those things that have come in and suddenly real life hits us. And um, actually, if if you look this up, this is actually called the golden triangle of spiritual growth. Who knew that existed? But anyway, um, and it's these three things and how they interact with one another, the Holy Spirit, those disciplines and those things that we're investing our life in to build us up, to help us become more like Christ, but the reality of life, the events of life, the temptations. And it's how those three things work together that will see how we transform. Are we becoming more like Christ? Are we... um, expressing those qualities of Christ in increasing measure. So it's just the last two verses for us to read together about the events of life. So who would like to read the passage from James? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Thank you, Karen. And finally, the Romans 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Yeah, it's in the everyday events of life, the struggles, the challenges, the suffering, that reveals who we are, that reveals the work that Jesus is doing in us. Um, It's that suffering that produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. We are called to live in the world, but not be of the world. So we can choose if the events of our life will help us be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus, or if they will be opportunities for us to indulge our sinful nature. And that's the choice that we get. Jesus, when we accept him, doesn't immediately take us to be with him, although that does happen with some people. Um, But we're called to live our lives in the best way we can, showing Jesus to the people around us and daily making ourselves a living sacrifice. Today, Jesus, I am going to submit myself, my body, my thoughts, my emotions to you so that I can live my life today reflecting Jesus, that I can live my life today no longer a slave to sin, but set free from sin. And it's those choices that we make when we have the events of our days and the suffering whether and even the joy. It's those choices we make um, that are helping us on that journey of transformation. And really... All of these things are linked together and they go backwards and they go forwards 
Our disciplines help us to hear the Holy Spirit. Our discipline helps us to react well in a situation. If we're a grumbler, then our discipline of thankfulness and gratitude every day will help us to grow that in us. Those things that we do in our life in the quiet help us in our public life. Um, And through all of it, it's the Holy Spirit at work in us. So we have a choice with our events of life. We have a choice in our daily lives, whether it's going to be an opportunity for us to submit and be transformed into the likeness of Jesus or indulge our sinful nature. And God, in his wisdom, gives us that choice to make because he wants us to be willing sacrifices. He wants us to be willing followers of him. He doesn't want it to be forced upon us. Um, He wants us to journey and see and celebrate those breakthroughs and see and celebrate as we see the fruit of the Spirit growing in us and cultivating and becoming more like Jesus. So just as we finish, um, let's just reflect. What is the Holy Spirit working on us in our lives at the moment to help us break free from the sin that we've indulged in before, the sin that is inside of us because we're humans? Um, What is it the Holy Spirit wants us to work on? What are those deliberate disciplines and things that you're building into your life to become more like Jesus so that God can work in you? And are we going to choose to let our lives and the events that we face and the things that we struggle with help us become more like Jesus and clothe us in Jesus, put on Jesus? Or are we going to let them divert us and let us indulge our sinful nature? Father, we thank you for the mind-blowing promise that we can have the mind of Christ, that we can clothe ourselves in Jesus, that we are being transformed into his likeness. That seems so unobtainable, yet we know it's a promise that we can hold on to. Help us to be people that work that truth out in our lives. Help us be those that partner with your Holy Spirit and we put the effort in on our side to see that come to being even though we know it's true and we don't see it yet. Help us bring that into its fullness by your Spirit and our cooperation. Lord, help us be people who are true disciples of you, that we want to show you how much we love you by taking seriously our call to obedience that we might identify those things in us that are acting against your kingdom, those default responses, those default thoughts and emotions that are pulling us away from your kingdom. Highlight those in us, God, so that we might do the work with you and we might be in ever-increasing measure displaying those characteristics and qualities of Jesus that you call us to. God, we just thank you for your work in us and that's brought us to where we are now. And we thank you that you promise never to leave us. You promise that as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. That as we submit to you and we, we live lives wanting to know you more and become like you, 
that you will fulfill that promise in us. So we just submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.